You're listening to the PMO Strategies Podcast, where PMO leaders become impact drivers. This is episode 224. Hey there, Impact Driver. Welcome to the PMO Strategies Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Bernard. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, let me catch you up on what's going on. We have somewhat of a podcast takeover happening, and it's filled with my Impact Accelerator Mastermind program participants. You see, all of our students that are in the Impact Engine system have the option to upgrade to the Impact Accelerator Mastermind. That is the place where they have access to me and their peers, and they get coaching and support. There's a 24-7 forum where they can ask questions of each other, share resources and templates and guides that you're, they're using, as well as talk about how they're applying the program. And we can address some of the toughest challenges they have going on. So as a part of this year's Impact Summit, I decided to offer the stage to several of our mastermind participants. And we'll probably do a few every year because I've been able to be a part of their journey, each of them for a couple of years now. You see, once you're in the mastermind program, you become a part of a community, a family that supports each other and is there through the tough times to give you advice and suggestions and just tons of love to support you when you're in those tough situations and give you ideas on what to do differently. But they're also there to help cheer you on when things are going well and celebrate the wins that maybe others around you don't appreciate how big some of those wins are, like finally getting your stakeholders to invest in the process and be a part of the journey of building or elevating a PMO or other kind of strategy delivery organization. So I decided that I would share them with all of you so that you could learn some of the same lessons they have. And they're sharing their toughest challenges and some of their successes and how they got there and what they wish they would have known when they started out. So this episode is a continuation of that series. This is episode number two, where you are going to meet Paul Dunningham. Paul has been a part of the mastermind for two years now. He's been through the Impact Engine system. He's used what he's learned in multiple organizations. And he's going to talk a little bit about that journey from moving and quitting to bouncing back in his career and share with you what he calls the PMO hokey pokey, which when he tells you what that means is going to make you laugh so hard because it's exactly what happens in organizations many times. So he's going to share some insights with you. He is with my friend, Amanda Oakenfall, one of the co-hosts from the Impact Summit, and they have this excellent conversation and it's going to be kind of cool to be kind of a fly on the wall in the midst of their conversation because you can tell these two really connected and had fun talking about all things PMO, what it is and what it is not. So with that said, enjoy this episode. And if you are interested in learning more about the Impact Engine system and the Impact Accelerator Mastermind, just go over to pmostrategies.com forward slash IES. That's pmostrategies.com forward slash IES and learn more about how you can join Paul and others as they're making a huge impact in organizations all over the world while getting and keeping their seat at the table. Okay, let's listen in. Welcome to the Impact Summit. My name's Amanda Oakenfall and I'm your host for today. I'm excited to welcome Paul Dunningham for his interview. We all have a story of our attempts, setbacks and failures. In this discussion, Paul will delve into his own. From moving cities to quitting without another role and taking six months off, an honest and humorous reflection where he has been to get to where he is now, an opportunity to commiserate or celebrate at his experience. 
It's not all stories, though. Will shares some practical processes he uses now, which he wishes he knew before. And don't we all have that? He'll also let you in on something he will call PMO Hokey Pokey. Hi, Paul. How are you? I'm good, Amanda. How are you? You've got me curious. You've got me really curious about this one, and particularly your PMO Hokey Pokey. Thanks for having me, by the way. It's really good to have. This is my first talk. So I was very glad that I had a fellow Australian to have a chat with me as part of this, just in case we get a little maybe too colloquial for our our American fans. I'll completely understand. PMO Hokey Pokey. Well, Something I coined myself and those in the coaching group, they've already heard me talk about this before, but I'm obviously now wanting to share it a little bit broader. So, I think it's something we can all understand in our times from going through working in PMOs. It's a simple concept like the hokey pokey is. You've worked in PMOs, you're trying to get a PMO going, you're not listening to customers, you start getting the project saying, do you know what? We can do this better. Give us the resources and then we can start doing this better. So, the resources then go out to the project and the PMO is disbanded. A couple of years go by and then the everyone starts saying, this isn't working. And so what happens? People say, do you know what we need? We need a PMO. And all of a sudden, the talk is, let's put the PMO back in. A couple of years happen and the PMO goes back in. So effectively, you put the PMO in, yeah. you put the PMO yeah. out, you put the PMO in and you shake it all about. <laughs> Actually, Laura and I, I think Stuart, if anyone's on the audience and have seen us all chatting, have often had a chat and I'm glad you brought it up because you really need to measure your, as a PMO, sit back and measure your value from the beginning. It's really, really vital. It's like, it's interesting. Have you put in frameworks at all in regard to being on the front foot when you're running your PMOs to measure your value back to the business? That's the key thing. And really, I will touch on it a little later as well, but just around the focusing on what the customer needs to a degree and then putting those frameworks in to show that we are actually adding values to try to avoid that in, out, shake it all about as much as possible to do that. And I guess being really clear on who the customer is too, can get distracted. Sometimes the customer is not the right voice to follow. For example, um, you can often get a CFO who will bang the table and pet projects coming up and pet projects aren't in the best interest of the business. It's not driving the strategy. It's not driving the business to where it needs to be, both in a commercial aspect or even if it comes down to regulatory inputs of projects. And that touches base on some of the prioritization aspects. You're on the money, but keeping, I think, independence from PMO so that they truly give value to the business because ultimately the business itself is the customer. I absolutely adore it. I'm going to remember that one. We'll be dragging, we'll reference your name and, and dragging that definitely throughout the community. Well, have you Not- seen it, Amanda? Have you seen it where they just, oh, let's get rid of it, let's up. bring it back in. And I, yeah. for me, it's that two-year cycle. They go through a cycle, you get a financial year, and then something else will happen you into the second financial year and then it, they're going, do you know what, this isn't working. And it literally goes back in and out on about a two-year cycle till someone can actually show how to manage PMO. Hold on, that's it, because there's often a symptom of a PMO being nothing more than a reporting, which is not what PMOs are there to do. I've had a very similar experience very recently of seeing a PMO being set up as nothing more than a reporting function. That is an overhead. Someone who's going to, the minute I hear the word template, I shudder. Because we should not be, you should be coming straight off pure systems, Microsoft projects, your P6s, you should be accessing your logs, integrating them. And I'm a bit of a fan of Power BI over the top. So none of that, if you actually set up at your PMO correctly, has got anything to do with the word template. And I often sit there and say to them, the minute you fill in a template, you have just broken 
everything from ease, <laughs> trust, you open up the opportunity for where perspective and perception can rather than just using pure data to drive your decision making. You say template, I say checklist, which is the oh, one. Yeah. And hearing that we might be the checklist police. Well, here you go. Who have you spoken to that needs? Goes, I can't wait for you to give me 10 more checklists, 10 more templates yeah. to be able to fill in to get my project done. I've never met a business area that said, thank yeah. you for creating 40 more considering you've just joined to set up a PMO. So you're right. That is the key part is I'm not saying PMOs don't add value. They absolutely do. But we see so many, see so many that don't. And then they get seen as the checklist police, the box checkers. And that's when that hokey pokey happens. Yeah. Really not. I'm there. No, the hokey pokey spots. <laughs> no, <I'm there>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we ripped those out. And they are a PMOs are a, where we value to a business in programmers, we take away the red tape. It should be a cost reduction. It should mm. be hitting the bottom line. And being commercially astute, understanding that a PMO is there to effectively reduce cost. I mean, it is more difficult to articulate that often in public sector environment whereby the pure focus on the bottom line is, is somewhat blurred by a different mechanism, but it still can be done to show that the effectiveness of the PMO. So do I hear then that you'd like to remove PMO hokey pokey as your career yeah. <laughs> mission? That sounds like my future mission for the rest of my yeah. career okay. is to stop the PMO hokey pokey I think that I'm put that straight on the LinkedIn um, yeah. tagline. I think after this, <laughs> no, no more hokey pokey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> your new career challenge, which leads me into the next curious question: is the challenges you've faced, apart from the one you're about to embark on, what are some of your biggest challenges you've had in your career? Yeah, the biggest challenges have been, and it's the same across everywhere that I've worked. It's the engagement of the executives. I think. It's been rare. I know I'm going to be controversial. I know it's the people will say, oh, it's nothing it. and it's a template. But it really is that engagement of the executives. I have found throughout my career that there's much variation in the, what they understand. And there aren't a lot of people who actually understand how a PMO works. And the most common thing I find is that people think it's just another normal business unit and that you can put someone in there, you can just put anybody in there. They can. Is it like, I'm told I have to have one? Tick, I've done it. I'd hate to bring up the hokey pokey again, but they're sitting around saying projects aren't working and someone goes, that's read it in a magazine, Red. seen it in seen it in IT News or some you know CIO magazine and said that they definitely need a PMO. And then that yeah. starts the PMO journey. And I, I often call them, um, it's just a, some, some executives are, they're, they're just, they're just a, PMO, they're just uh, there for reporting. How did you, have you been able to lean into that and change that mindset, do you think? The common thread is around the education and communication and around trying to do enough. When we were saying before about supporting the customers, it's doing enough without doing too much. I think often I've seen when I've taken over PMOs and done different things is people have tried to overcook what it was. So to solve a problem that they needed, we probably can get 80% of what they need by just doing, looking at what we have now, rather than implementing a whole new 
PMO system, that's my favorite, that we definitely yeah. need to implement a whole new system. Implementing a whole new system, we can get usually 80% of the way there and people look for that perfect solution to every comment or idea that an executive raises. And then it becomes this huge project just to give them this one report or piece of reporting data. And now we're asking projects to now do a new checklist and all this sort of stuff. And yeah, <laughs> I don't often think the executive asked for no. but asked for much at all. They just wanted a little something and then we've run off going, oh, my gosh, the executive has yeah. said something. We need to now make this the most massive thing and drop everything else that we were focused on to do it. And then it gets done and they go, the projects are frustrated because you've asked them to do a thousand new things and often the executive barely looks at it or it's a side yeah, well, number that doesn't get talked the, about. I call it a brain fart. Like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> humans, right? Yeah. You've got to push back on them. They have some crazy ideas. Like I was talking to one of the women at work only yesterday. This will be an overshare moment for everybody, but I do do a fair bit of thinking when you're in the shower. You got nothing else to do. She said the same. I said I can come up with the wildest ideas, but that I need someone to come back to me and say, "I'm sorry, don't think that could be on the on the realm." Of, and it could be a thought you're having. You know, just a, a typical train of thought through a mm. number of but you're right you can the executive can say something and send an army of people off <laughs> in one direction you're like no that was just that was just a thought but yeah, yeah I, now you say it out loud that i have seen that happen before one of my favorites yeah or something that was just a one-off is suddenly set in stone and becomes part of a reporting cycle yes mm. <laughs> you don't really need ongoing so, yeah, we've that's- stopped any other maturity steps or anything else that we're going to get this one piece of data. That's usually a piece of data or something because they've been in a meeting, some senior meeting, and someone said, you know, we should be tracking this. And then they go, are we tracking this? And we are yeah. in some round way, which we probably could have pulled enough data from our existing. Now I, would hope, I would hope for those organisations that do find the hokey pokies carrying on that they do cut that by having the PMO director actually sitting in a leadership role because yeah. often that happens when – there's no voice at the table and it is the perception is that it's an administrative function and not something that drives business strategy. They should be up there being key because they're the independent voice to stop the executive questions <laughs> or moments <laughs> and probably putting across something of some reasonableness around that type of question. And I know my team, if they are watching this, would definitely say I come out with some crazy ideas. You got a good thing that says, thank you so much for that. Manda, you missed yeah. about too many hours today. Yeah, you can. <laughs> no more ideas. <laughs> yeah. Stop washing your hair. No, and you need them. And any, I think any key executives surround themselves by supportive, like people who you embrace having that voice mm. at the table. Well, I've only ever met people who put executives on like some weird pedestal that they know absolutely everything and you can't say to them, what about this or have you considered this is a different thing? And I've only ever had one that I haven't been able to work with or be able to discuss any changes with and I didn't last long. Yeah, no, that was just a culture. (laughs) Yeah, and I've come across a couple in my lifetime as well. Yeah, it really does change your perception. On that, because it's leading my thinking here, is what was your first aha moment then? Have you had one of those, probably along those lines of, oh, I uh, should not be working with this executive, and I'm at Ruin Giranta. But yeah, have you had any of those through your career where you just, those penny drop moments that really made a fundamental change in your progression through to the scenario? The aha moment is absolutely around knowing when to leave. 
And I think that's something we don't often talk about. We talk about solutions for every single scenario. We say there is a way we must be able to fix this. There's a way we must be able to help. And we shy away from saying, do you know what? Sometimes it's just, I thought of a different word, but I'll insert word of not very good. <laughs> and you don't leave, obviously, at the drop of a, a drop of a hat and say, you try many ways to try to get that through. And then for me, that was what I did. And I'm trying to be, let's say, enough without saying too much. Join somewhere. When I joined, I found out that there were two other female managers before me that lasted less than six months. Oh, like well. Yes. Um, and know, know when you're not in the right place to have your own or the business success, I guess. And I'm indifferent to whoever it is I work with. I'm, you know, I'm happy to work with a range of different people, styles. I'm even talking to you today. I'm making an exception. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That was an interesting time because I think the mindset for myself and everything, what there's is always a solution to things. And sometimes that solution is not forthcoming and the actual solution yeah. you need is the solution you need for yourself. Yeah, and that's true. I yeah. remember I was there for six months and I thought that was like a tour of duty, six yeah. months as I'm trying to stop them implementing a new a new PMO system, like that was going to fix everything because we already had one, but now this is a different one that got sold, but it had already been signed off before I joined. Did manage to get that stopped in the end wasn't a they weren't looking to progress or my executive wasn't yeah it's not interesting yeah because a lot of those projects come and that was what i was referring to and i shouldn't pick on cfos it's just i've never gone into the finance as a career so (laughs) but it could be any of the executive and we said those pet projects and you, you get a loud voice banging on the table because they have an agenda and you have to unpick that agenda because that a lot of that can come from their own personal drivers and sometimes we're caught in the crossfire particularly as pmo between those personal agendas it could be something as simple as a personal executive's career there could be a political sort of bent to it a requirement that were things that we're not fully aware of when people are making those decisions that can really affect others so i can see i've observed that in my career for sure, and push for an audit function rather than a PMO. There's been that before, I've seen that, where you end up getting caught. You're trying to make strategic change. You're trying to do financial benefit or move the business and suddenly look around you think, no, they just want me to tick and flicker provide. I really get and resonate with some of those. I hope in the future that is not our industry because I do mm. call out as, as its own industry. I know that it really isn't if you look at the economy, but for a profession. I really hope we can make some step change in education into changing that for PMO leaders. Well, Um, I agree because my role has been digital and currently now infrastructure. And when I go for looking for roles, I can look for roles across industry. It's not PMO itself, it's the PMO across a range of- I think that's really a good point to call out because a lot of people get, oh, you got a PMO, you're just in IT. No, because yeah, we've got similar journeys. It sounds like, yeah, that we do capital, we do infrastructure projects. A lot of them now as technology advances, it's very blurred line. Most of the infrastructure or the the capital projects I've been involved in have got IT and vice versa. It's just a mixed bag of lollies. Um, Mm. So being able to know both of those frameworks is a strength. I think it'll only increase we get a strength, particularly as we do things like AI implementation as well. There are lots yeah. of fun. I think of it a bit HR you need everywhere. People running projects mm. everywhere. So that's mm. the simple term that I use it as. It's that 
it really is that service that's required across all different businesses and industries. Best word ever. Emos are a service people. All on that one. Absolutely. Yeah, I, anyone who knows me, I shout this from the top. We are a, PMOs are a service provider. You come with a service mindset to the business. Apart from actually the way we think and mindset and leading, or maybe it, this is, again, another leading question, what do you think the keys to your success as a PMO leader would have been so far? Yeah, this might be what others might not say, but for me, it's actually focusing on the people. So the people in the PMO to another extent, the people who are doing the projects as well. And that's been positive and a challenging in my career that I do have that as a focus because some execs can see that as a soft touch. So you can say you want to focus on people, but deliver at the same time because heaven forbid we focus on people and help them get the outcomes that we need. But some executive teams like or execs like a aggressive sort of more direct and really bulldozing over people to try to get an outcome. Whereas I go for the focus on people, sustainable outcome where developing people internally, they're providing that intrinsic effort because they're buying into the concept of what we're doing and a range of things that they're helping us to drive performance. And then we get this sustainable loop with much less turnover. And I create an environment where it is actually pretty good to work to work for me because We've got stuff to do, but you can have a good time at the same time oh, of the appropriate time. We're working together for so many hours of the day. You've got to enjoy it. You're not having fun. I completely agree. We need Some to of these people we see more than that's the oh, yeah. in their lives. Like It's important. to You don't have to love everybody, but find something mm. constructive and have a laugh. It's usually not all that serious, by the way. Remember that the discussion we just had in regard to stupid ideas? I did mention bringing a Nerf gun to work. Only last week, it was the office manager who told me that we may be contravening our HS. We all were to bring Nerf guns to work. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe I was having too much fun that day. But if we, and in a Machiavellian way to put it out there, if you have everyone working at their optimal capacity, you're going to optimize your business. If you embrace and give everyone the opportunity to grow and, and be the best version of themselves and they're happy and productive, then your productivity will be maximized. So, yeah, I agree completely with you that's the best format and best for the business, best for the person, best probably the other way around. I would have preferred to have said that, but, yeah, you can't. <laughs> business first, Amanda. That's why you are where you are. <laughs> <laughs> Digging in. No, that, yeah, it's curious. I would, um, My mind is ticking away in the back because I'd love to sit down with one of the executives that we've met that would like to see the yeah. the bit process be more dominant than the person because unpacking that mind I think would be fascinating maybe okay. not recorded but it would be yeah. fascinating. <laughs> yeah. and uh, along those lines if you could go back and talk to you, the former you you the the young you as you started out your career and this journey what do you think advice you'd give yourself it's funny because I'm not really talking a lot about PMO because it's funny how that goes in what you might think would be the PMO part but mm-hmm. for me that it's not all a sprint. So take a moment to slow down. We don't have to smash every single thing out. And in fact, that's actually a disservice because we have not thought about the capacity of those who can take in the change and the the types of things that we're trying to force through all the time because of, like I said, listening to executives that say, "We, we must have this, we must have that. When 
executives to steep down want the projects to be successful and want them to go through, which is what they want, which is actually what we all want. Then that makes it a good environment. We're earning more money or we're achieving the goals that we need. And some of the things like I work on is I'm currently working on the largest programs of work to build hospitals across Queensland. That's the purpose of going through and doing those things. But for me, certainly there are long days. There's going to be long days. Shit hits the fan. Sorry, Laura. It just happens, but it doesn't need to be every day. And we don't need to be trying to keep pushing it that hard along because the people are actually resisting because they're pushing too hard on a range of things. And we can still get a whole bunch and probably more from doing a little less. But just what we choose and what we are doing is engaged with the people. We ask them, like wild idea, we ask them what they think will work. And then we roll that out and keep moving, telling the executive team what we're working on, like roadmap, here's what we're planning to do, and then being able to pivot and move on those things. And the people will pivot and move with us because we engage them as part of the process. We're listening, we're keeping moving, we're rolling out, doing the next thing. Stop sprinting. Like I have a son now. I was the donor to my sister's same-sex partner. And yeah. So there's different, I don't know, what am I going to do? Keep sprinting for another, I'm in my 40s now. Sprinting for another 20 years? I think there's a balance there. You're right. Projects aren't a sprint. Our careers aren't a sprint. And I was just thinking from my own perspective, I can really resonate. Yeah, me at 20, everything had to happen yesterday. You're impatient. You want to climb the mountain. You want to get to the top. And when you get to the top of that mountain, you just look up and there's more mountain. Everybody's got a boss that both from a career perspective and from a project perspective, yeah, it's a marathon, not definitely not a sprint. And realistically, I think for PMOs and project, it our, I call it the delivery industry that encapsulates all of those things. It's more about leadership development. In the end, it's not about all these frameworks. Frameworks, approaches, they're great, they're tools. That's fantastic. But it's about how we lead, how we make decisions, how we communicate, and then it's using all those tools. But people seem to pick up and look at the tool and the yeah, tactical, it's tangible. And they forget about the other three, which are vastly more important, that leadership aspect, the way in which we make decisions, the way that we communicate those. And taking those frameworks, like you said, and thinking they can be lifted off and put into any organisation, that we can get that framework and just squeeze exactly the same thing in as we did somewhere else. We need to set it up against the organisation for what it needs. A maturity level two might be completely all that they need and it'd be more than enough rather than we are trying to force organisations through a range of things and then the PMO hokey pokey kicks in and that will be gone because you're trying. It's funny, like if you're looking at something like the P3M3 and maturity modeling, it's really interesting to see how when people have those conversations, and you see a lot of executives have those conversations. And I can speak to this because I've just left consulting. So, our wonderful consulting colleagues will sell a framework into the executive, but without an understanding of the cost implications. Yeah, we could all be a level five, great, cost you millions, but it's the right size. Sorry to be not as au fait with how you've been involved with the Impact Summit and the Impact Engine until this time, but have you been on that or been involved with the Impact Engine system and the Accelerating yes. Master Group? Yes, I am actually. I'm coming a little up bit to, more about your experience on that. Coming up to two years now that I've been involved in it, and I call myself long-time listener, more recent mastermind joiner, uh-huh. maybe getting on to two years, but I remember I was looking for things 
and trying to look for anything which was aligning to the way I thought that PMOs should be run because I was working in environments where I wasn't the PMO leader and thinking, I don't think we should do it that way, but it wasn't my decision yeah. to do those things. So then I was just searching for something and found the podcast. And as soon as I started listening to it, I thought, okay, this is absolutely resonating with what I think that we should do. Wild concepts like listening to customers, trying to give them what they want before you can give them what they need and those sorts of ideas. I know, wild, not templates first, using them as a means to an end, not the end within themselves. For me, it's nearly been two years now. So, two years in January that I've been part of the Impact Engine Mastermind group coaching. And what I'd say to others is absolutely try it. There's a lot of information on Google. And when you look there, you think, you know what, there's so much info there. Like, what can I get from the Impact Engine system? And it's actually the info on Google is actually not that helpful. And the system is good, but for me, the biggest part is the peer group support. So I don't have many people know what I do, especially in the same organization. And rarely that's the case where people understand the complexity of multiple stakeholders that are all dependent on you and all want to throw you under the bus at different times, how you can navigate your way through all of those things. But for me, it was the peer group support. Sometimes just to say, oh my gosh, this happened to me, this happened to me, this happened to me. And three other people go, yep, know that, heard that. Yep, that's before. But especially when I had, I was going through the role where I left before, this group was excellent to support because six months in that toxic environment made me start to think, am I doing the right job? Maybe I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe I've got it all wrong after all that. And that's why I left and took six months off, but still maintained as part of the group and still calling in monthly to join our monthly calls and giving them updates on the whole journey as I went through. So, using it as my psychology session um, as part of that too. But very much it's that peer group support, the sharing of information. And I've now probably taken on a more role of helping others more so than they help me at different times, which I'm very happy to be supportive and help a range of those people work through to be good PMO leaders. But very important, but that's the most important thing for me to get out of that echo chamber of what you might yep. hear at your only the one workplace. There's certainly, there's a culture at each place that just you need to break out of to go, have I lost my mind for a minute or are we just talking rubbish here constantly? So you go there and they go, no, you haven't lost your mind. And yes, they're talking rubbish. So yep. yeah, very, very good group. I can't recommend it enough. And you're right at the PMO sort of leader, the program director, it's a lonely job when you're looking at inside your own organization. It's a very lonely job because often the executive think you're crazy. You're coming up with concepts that they're not aware of. And like you mentioned that they're really at the beginning, they're not educated. No one's communicated to them. They've heard of Prince2, they've heard of OGC, come back, they've heard things like Pimbop. Why are you not just following, you know, I call it karaoke, where they follow the bouncy ball. Yeah. <laughs> um, and rather than have a karaoke singer, w- wouldn't you rather have someone who's fully trained and operatic and you know, a, a, a true professional? I like that. I'm going to steal that one. Yeah, take that. <laughs> it's, yeah, the the difference and, and the way that we can communicate. Because I was chatting with the Impact After Hours crew and Donna's an absolute gem. She's been running projects. She was doing Agile in the 60s. We, she's really good at explaining how Agile is not new. She's been doing it for a while. Nothing's new, like much like your hokey pokey is quite sick. So being able to come together as a community and just say, yep, you're not alone. That happened to me. They do that. There's ways around it. There's shortcut. There's ways that you can manage that type of individual, that type of executive. 
absolutely big benefit. Is there anything else on reflection that you think it'd, it'd be some good hot tips? That, I'm giving that, you my hot mm-hmm. tips. I think I've shared enough hot tips because maybe I might get another crack at this after my first time. So maybe I won't give every single thing away. <laughs> but, <laughs> I like it. But I know, am I moving into a sales person? But, but wait, there's more. Potentially for the time, yes. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'm contracted in my role, so I've got to make sure that people know, hey, if you want to reach out to me, you can, because never not looking at for an opportunity or something like that. So, But really, the things, the one thing is really that focus on the people. That's all we have in the end. It's all we have for the people to do things. And I don't know, I feel a bit better personally that I'm not running people into the ground and treating them properly. That's just a nice thing for me to be able to live with after I leave. There's times when they get pushed, let's be real. <laughs> yeah, um, but, but it's not every, you know, not constant where they're wanting to leave and run away. Just enough to get what we need done. <laughs> well, it's been absolutely fantastic talking to you, Paul. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I hope that we connect more readily and, and certainly get to see more of you around the community. It's been great. Thank you for your time. I agree, Amanda. Thanks a bunch for your time. Great job, Paul. I am so incredibly proud of you. Okay, Impact Driver, I hope you loved that session with Paul Dunningham, one of our Mastermind students, and Amanda Oakenfall, one of the co-hosts of this year's Impact Summit. Now you know what it takes to avoid the PMO hokey pokey in your organization and how to secure your seat at the table. And just so you know, Amanda is an executive, so she's bringing a true executive perspective as a COO sharing this conversation with Paul, who clearly gets what it takes from an executive. What you're hearing, leave a rating and review to let others know what this podcast is all about and help us change the world one project at a time. And if you are interested in learning more about the Impact Engine system and the Impact Accelerator Mastermind, where you can meet Paul, Willetta, and many other of our impact drivers that are applying our game-changing system in their organization, just go to pmostrategies.com forward slash IES. That's pmostrategies.com forward slash IES. I'll see you there.